Welcome back to the Running Wine Mom podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Selinski, aka the Running Wine Mom. On this episode, we meet Sally Gadea and dive into the world of gelato and pastry with the owner of Pana Gelateria, a boutique gelato and pastry shop located in the heart of Yardley. Sally and her husband, both prestigious chefs, returned to their home base after her husband competed on Chop Sweets to open up their dream business together. Throughout the podcast, Sally will share her journey from being an executive pastry chef at the Hamilton in Washington, D.C., to being a mompreneur and how she balances running a successful business with family life. You'll also get an inside scoop on the secrets behind her mouth-watering gelato and pastry recipes, her favorite flavors, and how she draws inspiration from her travels around the world. So whether you're a fellow foodie, a pastry enthusiast, or just someone looking to get a behind-the-scenes look at the sweet life, tune into this episode of The Sweet Life with Sally, and let's indulge in some sweet talk. Welcome, Sally. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. And we are at your wonderful gelateria, (laughs) uh, which is one of my favorite places to come with my daughter. On Saturdays, we usually do a walk on the towpath, and then we do the little playground, and then we come here for her treat. And it's so cute because she, like, knows the routine. (laughs) After we go to the playground, she'll be like, oh, we go get treat now. We go get treat. She loves the, um, she loves everything that we have here. So I'm excited to do this. Thank you. So as we start off with every episode, um, you are not drinking alcohol currently. And so you have a non-alcoholic drink of the week. Why don't you share that? I am having Synergy's Guava Goddess. Get a little uh, probiotics <laughs> when I'm having my beverage. It's great, and it's good for this. Um, it's refreshing for the day that we're having today. It's nice yeah. outside. Um, so what is your wine and win of the week? So my wine is changing out kids' clothes sizes. I just had to move my daughter up to a 40, and the current state of our house is our basement is filled with all of her past sizes, some of it's organized, some of it's not, and her room has maybe 2T and 3T, and she found the bag of the 4Ts, and they're all over one of the guest rooms, and it's just a disaster that I'm going to try and deal with later today. I agree, uh-huh. and uh, that's what I was saying to you earlier, that we have tubs and tubs of stuff in our garage. It's the worst. <laughs> all right, so what is your win of the week? I'm going to say my win of the week is finally making it to this jeweler in Doylestown that I have been ogling her stuff on Instagram. And yesterday was my birthday, so... Happy birthday. Thank you. So I made the trip up there, and I just picked out some pieces that I was looking at, and it was really nice to, like, meet the team there. And I feel like I just did something nice for myself on my birthday of my own accord and didn't wait for someone to do the right thing for me, you know? love it, and I love the jewelry. It's very pretty gold. I'll have to link it um, in the show notes for you. So what are three things that you're most proud of in your life? I have to say Sophia first. She is amazing. This is my daughter who's three years old. And then Pana Gelateria. I can't not say that. It has been a labor of love for sure. And it's so much work and not dissimilar to a child in the sense that it's very demanding all the time. And I could be doing it all the time. I have to force myself to take breaks it's obviously different in the terms of the reward but I'm really proud of Pana I can't believe that like our dream came to life in this way and I feel like it's been received very enthusiastically and that doubles down on how we feel about it 
And honestly, not to sound any certain way, but like when I think about something else I'm proud of, I'm really proud of myself. I feel like I haven't had any big dramatic stories to share of these crazy things I've overcome. There's just little personal things. And I'm just proud of where I'm at right now and like kind of just the person I've become. Yeah, that's so important. I was talking about this a couple weeks ago on my episode that Melissa had said that she was proud of herself. And I just felt like so many women don't say that or are afraid to say that they're proud of themselves. And being in this, in your business right now, it's so amazing to see how it has built and you should be proud of yourself balancing everything, which is awesome. Thanks. I found out about this through like someone on Instagram posted something and I was like, (laughs) of course I have to come stop by and see this. And I stopped by. I'm like, oh wow, this is perfect location. When did you start coming here? Literally the weekend you guys opened. The one we opened. Because I was going to say, finding out through Instagram, through friends, that was very much like, that was how people, for the first like two months, that was how people were finding out, was just talking to somebody else. Right. Yeah. That's that's how I found out Just the word of mouth. It was almost like um, an undercover... Like, yeah, please. You, like you had to know a guy. Right, exactly. And that's, I, and because you guys weren't on. We weren't on uh, Google because yeah. we didn't have a website. So Google wouldn't pick it up when we were trying to publish hours and the location. It like wouldn't recognize us because we didn't have a website, which we didn't have until February. Oh, wow. Before we get into everything that has gone on to get you guys where you are today, I will start with a couple fitness questions that I always like to ask my guests, but what is your favorite way to stay active? Well, the thing that I've been doing probably for the past year and a half is CrossFit, and I found a nice community um, over in New Jersey at uh, Pennington CrossFit. And it's awesome because there's people who are my age. It's not like everybody has different skill levels and Pretty much everybody there is a family person, so there's a lot to relate on, but the community there is amazing. I used to be a really big runner, but I just, it's hard to do both or everything, so I run occasionally. How do you find balancing fitness with running a business basically (laughs) 24-7? Yeah. When we first opened Pana, I took about six months off. I tried for the first couple of weeks to keep up with it when we had first opened, and I went to those classes saying it's either now or never that I'm gonna incorporate this into my schedule. But that just wasn't in the cards for that time. And after about a month of going, you know, like four times in that month and pretty at like a pretty painful level, I finally decided that I should just make a decision, take a break, take the pressure off of myself. And then I returned in January. And I would do other stuff. I'd walk, I'd run, I would do other things at a gym. But I went back in January. The thing that makes it work is that I will, a couple days a week, go at uh, 5 a.m. Okay, well, that's early. (laughs) But then it's like it's over over. at 6 or 6.30, and there's still the whole day. And Mm -hmm. it's like it never even happened for everybody else. Yeah, I... Well, I am not currently a morning workout person, but I always was before I had my son. I was 5.30 a.m. And that, and I agree with you. I think it's just great to, you don't even know, your body doesn't even realize. It's like a black realize. hole of yeah. time. It's <laughs> like nobody even knows. You could do that and be back and everybody's still asleep. Exactly. It is great. Can you talk about how your relationship with mental health and physical fitness align? Yeah, big time. I mean... Getting back into that after we opened Pana um, in January, like I, I have to say that I think it was just a lot of the pressure and the hours, the work, I don't know, just so many things. And then having a toddler and just crazy schedules, 
I felt like at the end of last year, my mental health was in a really rough place. And I did notice significantly once I started back in January up to now, like I'm so much better. I'm, I feel like back to my normal self. And I think partly losing that while I felt at the time that schedule wise, it was kind of necessary. It definitely was really hard for me. So when I'm active, you know, those endorphins, but also if you have it in what you do, the community can be really key. That is so true because community is such a big part of physical fitness and just making you feel like you belong to something. But then if I didn't work out as well, my mental health would totally decline. Yeah, <laughs> and I noticed yeah. that it for sure in myself. Plummet, so. yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's move on to the main event. You are a culinary chef. What inspired you to get into this field? How did you get started in the industry? Tell us about your journey. Well, when I was a kid, my mom, she baked and cooked a lot, and she would host cocktail parties and dinner parties. Sometimes I'd be, um, I remember, I think it was like my dad's 50th birthday, and a friend and I were the servers, and it was like filet mignon, all this. So we were serving the food in our house as if we were servers, and with the baking, I would be alongside my mom when she was doing that, or helping her make hors d'oeuvres for these parties. And so I think that just, I really enjoyed hosting people and making things. So when I came to decide what I wanted to do for school, I just, I think I like beeline for that. It was very clear to me. It wasn't a big question of what I was going to do with my life. That's awesome. Where did you get your education for being a culinary chef? So I went to Drexel University. They have a culinary program. So I got a bachelor's of science in culinary arts and a minor in business administration. And I kind of wanted to have that traditional school experience. I looked at CIA, Johnson and Wales, and some other like tech schools and different places, but they either had very short programs, which like looking back now kind of could have been a good thing, but I knew I wanted to go have that traditional like university experience. So Yeah, and it's great that you have the business degree as well for starting a business. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, came right sure. into it. So what is your favorite thing to make or bake? I think new things. Even if it's not like totally new to me, what I like is just refreshing what I'm doing at the moment. I know like when I start coming into work and feeling like it's a slog and like, oh, I got to do this today, which there are some things here that are just staples and that's cool. That's how it is. But um, when I start doing something and feeling creative, those are my favorite things. You know, it's not like I can't pinpoint this one thing, but I like keeping it interesting. So how do you think that you keep up with the creative process? Coming from someone who has zero creativity, yeah. like, my, like I can't just look at flour and sugar and be like, <laughs> I'm going to make this. I have none of that. Um, I mean, so many places, right? Like, I think it can be a mix of what's seasonal and what's coming at you and knowing like right now we're getting rhubarb in and I think Mm. it's so fleeting rhubarb that there's just this feeling among chefs that it's just like, oh, rhubarb's coming and what are we going to do with it, whether it's savory or sweet. Um, So the seasons kind of guide you that way. And then I think you start to feel creative just looking at those ingredients. But also, yeah, there's places like Instagram where things will either come up in your feed or you can like search for it and just get ideas for it. My husband is really into collecting books, not just on pastry, but food and pastry. And so 
he draws a lot of inspiration from that and I love picking them up and just flipping through them. It could be anything. We could go to an interesting restaurant or just get at a weird idea for something. That's awesome. Like I said, I have zero of that. So I'm always interested <laughs> in how you guys can imagine such amazing it's just, dishes. It's also like a, a matter of, you. I don't know if the word is uh, resourcefulness, we'll say. So we might look in our fridge and just look and see things that need to be used up. Like we do these um, filled brioches mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. we don't fill them all in a day. So then when they're left over, we can't reuse them. So we'll cut them up, dry them. So then we make bread pudding with it. So okay. it's just like, it, I feel like things point you into what you need to do. We'll open up the fridge and see what do we need to make use of and then that spurs our creativity. Amazing. What do you think some of the most important qualities of a culinary chef should be? I'll say speaking as a pastry chef, because it can be a little bit different than someone who's on the savory side. I think they, they can definitely overlap, but organization, probably number one. Kind of like grit, to be honest. Like willing to do any, I mean, to that to, to say grit would encompass like willing to do anything, a good attitude, willing to work hard, and all of that within reason. I mean, I'm not asking people to, um, I don't know, sacrifice their fingers and like, (laughs) you know, blood, sweat, and tears, but just like being able to work hard, stay focused. I think that there's not a lot of room for any lackadaisical attitudes. That makes sense. That's fair. Right. You can enjoy it and love it. Um, but you gotta stay gritty. Gotta stay gritty. That's great qualities, I think. And I think that's with a lot of things in yeah, life. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Um, how do you balance your creativity and innovation with tradition and classic dishes? Well, I think yeah, I think I start with the tradition and and quality of the process. So making sure that everything is done with really good ingredients, really good techniques. And then once you have that down, once you have the basics down and the quality of how to make things then you'll feel that freedom to be more creative. Like you've got that down and your creativity is supported by strong technique and knowing those classics. That's one thing that I like about coming here is because there is, I feel like such a mix of tradition and new stuff. Like when we came around St. Patrick's Day, we tried the Lucky Charms gelato and that was, my daughter loved that. But then you you can get like a lemon with another flavor that's more typical that you would yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I really like too. We try to keep a balance. Yeah, everything's good. I haven't had anything that I don't like, so that's good. <laughs> I think one of my favorites was smoked almond, which we did like Ooh. coming back in February after we took a break. That I don't was think I so tried good. that one. Um, I'm trying to think of the one. I had the, str- the strawberry basil. Was it strawberry basil that you got? Or something oh, basil. Oh, we did blueberry basil recently. Maybe blueberry basil is what I had, and it was so good. Because, again, I wouldn't think those combos would, I mean, from me, an outsider who knows nothing about <laughs> anything. Don't underestimate yourself. Um, I was like, this is a weird combo. Let me try it. Oh, my gosh. It's delicious. <laughs> so how do you stay up to date on culinary trends, techniques, and your ingredients? I don't think that I do stay up to date on <laughs> culinary trends and techniques. I think I just kind of roll with what's in my head again heavily a lot heavily influenced by maybe what I come across on the internet but yeah I think we just go with our intuition my husband does a lot of the flavors he's um, on the gelato sometimes I'll tell him some things I'd really like to see 
like we had the lavender latte, mm-hmm. which um, I'm drinking now, and it's and, delicious. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we had the lavender latte gelato, and you know that was something that I asked him to do, and he, I felt kind of cool because he's the one who's like the the flavor god, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't tell me I said that, <laughs> but. Yeah, so he'll come up with those flavors. He's actually done some, like, studying in those books that I was talking about about what's best with flavor combinations, but he also just has, like, an incredible intuition about it. It's in his core, in his heart. So you and your husband are the main and only, really, people behind (laughs) (laughs) everything. So how is it working as a team with your husband outside of your marriage, but owning a business and working in the fields that you both dreamed of doing? How, how do you manage that? How do you guys bounce off each other and yeah. work with the kitchen? Well, I feel like you asked that wrong in terms of like, it's not outside of our marriage because our <laughs> marriage is actually like right there. You know what I mean? True. And, um, and to say that we balance it is not true either. <laughs> okay. No, it can be it can be really hard. I mean, it's a good thing we we've, we've known, you know, we've been together for 10 years, so we definitely kind of like know each other's things, but it's comes with the good, bad and ugly. So, I'm not going to be like it's great and we just like it's just great to have my best friend right there with me in the kitchen. It's like sometimes I really just don't need him there. <laughs> not like the space. Hallmark movies that we watch. No, sometimes I just need a little bit of space. It's hard. Um, it can be hard, I guess. And also I've realized recently that coming into this, this was like our dream. But us both having a good amount of experience as executive pastry chefs and like at pretty good levels and we're pretty confident in what we do. Um, granted, Jamil has like 10 more years of experience than I, but I ignore that obviously. (laughs) But, um, it can be hard because you kind of realized, or I kind of realized at some point that it was like, we have two dreams. Like we're two different people with our dreams and this is our dream, but it's like my dream and it's his dream, you know, as two dominant people, it's kind of, it can be hard to put that together in a, um, always happy way. But we get along, we work it out, and we work together. We know at the end of the day that we have, like, one common goal, which is to make Pana awesome. And, you know, moving past that, realizing, like, we're here to support each other in those dreams. So it can be good and bad. It's tricky. That's very honest, and I love it. Because <laughs> I'm not here to sugarcoat no. it. <laughs> that wouldn't sugar, be fair. Yeah. That wouldn't be fair. No, yeah. I agree with you. Um, it is so funny when... That when you were saying that, I was just thinking of Hallmark movies and how it's like yeah. cookies in the girl. Like in yeah. those first six weeks that we first opened, we I I at least was working like ninety hours a week. Wow! And I have a three year old, yeah. and I basically felt like I was dying. And as would anyone. <laughs> yeah, it took it took me like a while to figure out like I need to make sure I eat at normal times and that I like drink enough water and that I don't drink too much coffee and all of that. <laughs> And um, I feel like there was, like, probably at least one or two times or maybe once a week where I would, like, break up with Jamil and be like, I can't do this with you anymore. <laughs> but also kind of recognizing that was the stress of the business and, like, we're still here. We still love each other. That's <laughs> awesome. So prior to owning Pana, you were the executive pastry chef at the Hamilton in Washington, D.C., which I have eaten at before <laughs> when you were there, unbeknownst <laughs> to... Either of us. Yes, a very small world. So you grew up in Bucks County. So how did you end up in D.C.? How did you end up at Hamilton? 
what inspired you to... Who am I? Yes. <laughs> Tell me about... Who are you? Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I grew up in Washington Crossing, and I moved around to a couple of places. I knew I wanted to get a broad scope of experience in different outlets, so somewhere in there I was in Vail, and I worked at a resort, um, which was great, and then I took a little break, kind of. I was still in hospitality, but I worked on Martha's Vineyard for a season. That was great. I was in Philly. Anyway, so then... When I left Martha's Vineyard, um, you know, I'm thinking about the next place I wanted to go, and I kind of had a picture of, like, the big cities, either, like, Boston or New York or D.C. Both of my siblings at the time lived in D.C., really loved it, got a job, and so I ended up there, and I really, really liked D.C. And then I wasn't initially at the Hamilton. I was a restaurant that's not around anywhere there. And, and I got called to go over to the Hamilton, I got recruited, and I did not know if that was the right thing I wanted to do. It was cool with the job I was at, but it ended up being a really, really awesome move. I loved the company. I just felt the whole way through until the day I left that it was run by good people who just want to hire good people. The Hamilton pre-COVID um, was like a $25 million a year restaurant. Wow. And it was huge, yeah. you know? Um, and so... Taking that on, I didn't know if that was going to be the right thing, but they did all this stuff local. Like, their whole core tenants was getting as much seasonal local produce as they could and everything from scratch, cutting fresh fries every day. A place like that, you it wouldn't be uncommon to just see them getting, like, frozen fries. Right. And, but that was how much that meant to them, and so I really enjoyed it. I thought that, I think in the first week, I remember going to Jamil and being like, I think I've made a huge mistake. I am totally not made for this and I was not prepared I went from like a 120 seat restaurant to one that can sit I don't know I mean if every single seat was taken up it would probably be a thousand people Whoa. you know That's they're not lot. always taken yeah. up all the time but they would easily serve about 2,000 people a day oh my gosh. so I was like I'm I was not made for this but I mean that's one of those things that ties into being proud of myself because self-doubt is a thing that'll like break you mm -hmm. and just kind of continuing on that by the time I left there I felt like there wasn't a challenge there anymore and then I wow. hadn't been challenged for a while that's something that's certainly something to say um about <laughs> I can't imagine how crazy a Saturday night or something there would yeah. be or any night really yeah. if they're if they have that much so was there more than one executive well, you're the only executive I was pastry. the only one there and yeah. so how did you how did you feel in that position managing the kitchen in that situation? It was tough. I think it was tough to go in. I was with um, the pastry folks who were, they accepted me. It was cool, but I was also helping to manage the prep space because okay. there was a whole other kitchen on the second level. It's hard to imagine. But there were people who were doing the prep stuff and they didn't quite accept me as their leader for a couple of years so <laughs> there was some tension there for a while a couple but, of years um, that's a while yeah, yeah they were rough but they warmed to me good I won them over so you guys were together before you came to DC did you make that move together no. or you met okay no we met in DC we met when I was at the first restaurant that okay. I worked at All yeah right. So working in Vail Martha's Vineyard and DC how did all of those differentiate they're very different parts of the country and yeah kind of the clientele is similar but different yeah yeah I guess they are kind of um a little bit bougie clientele 
I don't know. I think that what differentiates the most about those, because at the end of the day, you're kind of just like, you're working with the same ingredients is the people, the people you work with, work under, work for. So when I was in Vail, I was with, an, it was a German resort called Sonnenalp. And so I was with this Austrian pastry chef and he was just super vibrant and energetic. Um, and he was really, really talented. He did a lot of very classic stuff, really traditional, especially Austrian things, but anything he did was very like simple and classic. But he had um, really beautiful eye for detail. He would make these elaborate gingerbread houses for a gingerbread contest, which is kind of unfair because his were <laughs> crazy. Um, and But I loved working for him, and I, I learned a lot. Even though at the time I looked at that and I was like, ugh, his style is so basic. But I, when I look back, I'm like, I learned a lot about technique and perfectionism. And yeah. not to say that I am perfect, but like maybe a little, trying a little bit more to be. But then when I was in Martha's Vineyard, I worked at a place called the Beach Plum Restaurant um, after I had worked somewhere else. I don't even remember the name of it now. That didn't work out. I was working in the kitchen at that first job. And then later that didn't work out. It wasn't like the relationship wasn't compatible with the owners. So then I went on to serve at the Beach Plum Restaurant because I was already there for the season. And I made like crazy money and it was great. And I just like would swim at midnight with like the other servers after work. And it was like really living the dream. I had like a terrible boyfriend at the time. So that wasn't, but like having that escape of the great friends and being on Martha's Vineyard was cool and kind of led me out of that. So yeah, I totally, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> no, I totally under, I worked down in Sea Isle for 14 summers as a server and bartender. So I totally get that. It's a special, you know, it's, I think it's like something that people, if they can and want to, should do. I totally agree. I met some it's of my best. It's a unique experience. Yeah. Some of my best girlfriends had the best experience. The, even the patrons that came in were just the best people because everyone's happy. They're on vacation yeah. and then you have the regulars that are just, they were just so amazing and our owners were awesome. And I, I do, I agree with you. Like everyone should just go to a shore town and work there in the yeah. summer and just Why not? Live it's it. like kind of a wild life. It is. So what advice would you give to someone just starting out as a culinary chef? Oh man. I think, um, be ready for anything listen to the person you're working for and then also know that the advice and the things that they teach you might change with the next person and then just take that and uh, make it your own when when you know enough when you've learned enough um, but people need to be ready to work hard <laughs> that's, that's what it is if you love it it's fine like seriously for me there are times um, especially last year when we were kind of first opening and going into the holidays and maybe sometimes making menus for holidays that were longer than they should have been and too many items. But um, I there were a couple times that I did work overnight and that sounds insane and really sick and it kind of is. Like I would work like 36 hour days, but I never felt horrible doing it, but it does take a toll and I'm not saying that the new student should be willing to do that. My point to that is that I really love it and I never really feel miserable like I I feel actively as I'm doing it happy and like I enjoy it there might be other things but but your passion I love is there and the, working with my hands in this way that's so true and I think that you know anybody who loves what they do when they are working they're willing to put in the extra work because they love what they do yeah so much. You, you almost can't not do it right 
So as we mentioned earlier, your husband was also an executive chef in Washington, D.C. at Masseria, which is a Michelin star restaurant, which is a big accomplishment for a restaurant to receive. Was that a goal of him to work at a restaurant of that level, or did he kind of just end up at a place like that? Neither, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he actually helped to open it. So they built it from nothing. It was really interesting because it was in this um, uh, union market in an area of D.C. that when this opened was like nothing. It was like warehouses. It was like an industrial complex. Not, Not even. It was like where people would sell like produce out of like a garage kind of. I don't even know how to explain this. Okay, kind of like a farmer's market-ish type mm. thing, but shady farmer's market. <laughs> like, um, I don't even know what the word is. What it, it, industri- We'll just say industrial warehouse complex. Okay. I don't know. It was just nowhere. And they opened up this um, basically oasis in the middle of nothing and knew that they had the goal of it being a Michelin star fine dining restaurant. And it was, it was the funniest juxtaposition of views to to be walking down these kind of sketch like backways and then you would open up the gates and um, it was this beautiful restaurant um, very small small kitchen um, I don't know how many seats they could fit but it was really small and now that area is like of course built up and there's like beautiful apartment buildings and more high-end food places but um it's interesting where it started and anyway he had worked with the chef for quite a few years at a restaurant before that the chef pulled him over so like most of the team there he had already worked with for like probably five years or so and they just built it up and they had their sights set on that and I think it was after I don't know maybe a year a couple months then they got their Michelin star what are the requirements to get that I don't know. I think I think somebody has to nominate you, and I don't know. It's you know probably the service and the food, and I I don't know what the stipulations are, but yeah, it was a pretty big deal, and a lot of I don't know celebrities and being in D.C. A lot of political figures went there. I know what was it? Um, Gordon Ramsay posted one of his desserts and like had these very nice things to say about, and that was a really exciting moment. And Michelle Obama went there a couple of times. It was, like, the perfect place for these, like, big celebrities. I don't know if that's first lady. She was the first lady at the time. But it was the perfect place for them to go because it was in the middle of nowhere. There was not a lot of foot traffic. They could easily drive their cars up and go in a back door and stay relatively unnoticed, even though it was really small. They could sit, like, in a corner and uh, who else? I think Bruce Springsteen and um, there were a couple other people there. But, yeah, it was a big deal. That's awesome. That's really such a big accomplishment. And I was unaware that me knowing nothing, I thought he walked into that. But to Mm. actually build Build it it. and get it is an even bigger accomplishment. It is. Yeah, that is a big deal. And so he... Also won a Rammy Award mm-hmm. in D.C., mm-hmm. which I also don't really know what that is, but I saw it on his bio of, uh, yeah. I think it's like LinkedIn, it says it, or I don't know, maybe I just Googled, I think yeah. I Googled it, but tell me about that. So that was really an interesting story. I think it was maybe in uh, 2016, he was nominated for the Rammy Award, which is put on by the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. And so, you know, all the best restaurants are there. For us, it was like the 
uh, restaurant Oscars. Like we would, we knew it was coming every summer and dress up. And it was just a really fun, big deal, lots of food and drink and, um, you know, seeing your favorite or most exciting new restaurants um, getting awards. So he had been with restaurants that were nominated. And this one year he got nominated as Best Pastry Chef, which was really exciting in and of itself. And he didn't win. And it was really sad. But he played it cool. And then the next year... Uh, he got nominated again, and it felt like they're not going to not nominate him, um, and he's like most likely to win. But Jamil, I don't know if he's going to love the story, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think he's okay with it. He he doesn't really drink much. He'll like maybe have like a beer at dinner, but I have never seen him drunk before, <laughs> except this one time. Oh, no. <laughs> and I remember I was coming home from the beach, and he I'm like getting dressed, and he's like giving me... Dom Perignon and making like maybe a cocktail and like I'm like this is like I'm sort of double fisting here like what is happening okay we're being festive we're getting ready to go out for me this is like par for the course it's fine and then we maybe had another cocktail but basically by the time they were calling the names he was drunk oh and no <laughs> I was like Jamil you need to pull it together I don't know what to do but you just need to pull it together give me that gin and tonic and <laughs> So, but he was cool, and they did call him up. He did win. He went up, and um, he gave a very nice acceptance speech, you know, short and sweet, but lots of gratitude, and it was a really exciting night. I think in the end, he, he wished he had drank less, because he he's not much for drinking, but he had those nerves. Right, um, yeah, you definitely, to calm the nerves, and that's <laughs> like, like the, it's such, like, I feel like the perfect storm of so many Ew. people, where they're like, I didn't mean to, I was just so excited, and yeah. the adrenaline was running. So, yeah, and, so many emotions, right. and I think he was worried about, like, what if he didn't, how would he feel? I don't know, but it's okay. Aww. It happens to the best of us. Well, he was still very <laughs> successful outside of that, which will also lead me to the next topic is that he was on Chopped Sweets. Mm -hmm. So how did he, did he apply for that? Was he asked to be on it? How no, did that kind of come up? No, this is another thing that just fell into his lap. Um, no, he. I think it might have been the PR team at Masseria was probably putting it out there for their chefs, but I'm not positive. I just know that, you know, one day he got a call. It was in January of 2020. I think that if I remember, no, maybe it was mid, it was mid-February of 2020, and they called him, and they were like, we want you to come out next Friday, and we figured at the time that he must have just been, um, like, a backup to somebody who bailed, but I think that's how they really do it, is just, like, oh, call wow. you at the last minute, like, a week or so before, and so he, you know, he was all like, I can't take time off of work, and I was like, Jamil, this is Chopped calling you, this is, like, TV calling you, go, like, right. who cares, go, so he did, and um, the night before, here's another little story. The night before, we're in the hotel room. I went with him to New York. This was our first night away from our daughter, who at the time was like two months old. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give you some ingredients and tell me what you're going to make with it. So I'm there. They, they had told him it was going to be like tailgating foods or it ended up being a um, do desserts episode okay I don't know what that means still. <laughs> I've never heard of to that to this before. day that makes no sense to me but I was like so I'm giving him like okay you have like jalapeno poppers and like white chocolate bacon or something like that and he's like that's ridiculous they're not gonna do that and I was like oh my god Jamil they totally are that's what chopped is that is exactly what and it I is. think he ended up having like um 
jerky maybe was something in there, but he definitely had like those weird, <laughs> weird ingredients that you wouldn't normally have. And your... I had been trying to get him to watch Chopped with me leading up to it. And he was like, nah, I don't feel like watching it. Like I'm doing dishes, whatever. I'm like, he no. just went in blind. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So how did he think that he did on it? Did he think that it was a successful venture or was he? Yeah, I mean, he won. Yeah, so. I, yeah I mean, I get. <laughs> he came back. No, he came back and he's like, I want to do more competitions. And I was like, okay, let's just like slow it down a little bit. Like, you're going to be okay. But um, he was really excited. And I don't think, I don't think that he, we ran too much critique on it because it was just like such a big experience and he won. And that was the cool thing. It was really weird because you know, that was 2020. That happened. He were, he taped that, I believe it was February 28th of 2020. Oh, And everything kind of started to come down on March 10, right. definitely by March 17th. So he got in right under the wire. And they had said um, at some point that it was going to be out around Father's Day that year. So I'm like, okay, cool. And I just told people that he, that I told him not to tell me because I just can't handle not telling people things. And like, I just... Didn't, I wanted people to just feel like I didn't know what happened, what the outcome was. And so we think they're going to air it in June of 2020, and they didn't end up airing it until February of 2021, which by that point, it was over. Like, we right. were over it. But um, So you originally, though, d- you didn't know that he won. I did. Oh, you did. Okay. I'm just saying, like, I told people. Oh, you told people. Like, okay. that I told him not to tell me. Because <laughs> oh, I didn't want okay, them to sorry. ask me yeah. and be like, oh, I yeah. can't tell okay. you. <laughs> I was like, like wait, want, did you not you? know for all that time? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, he told me immediately. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Well, that's good. Did um, did being on that open up any doors? Or because it was such, it was a year later, was it kind of, like you said? Uh, yeah. Like I, I can't say that anything came out of it. I mean, I think that people, when they hear hear about it are excited in general nothing bad can come out of winning good yeah (laughs) good to put on your resume yeah all right so now let's move on to you guys owning Pana you opened it in July of 2021 how did you guys decide that you were making the move from DC to coming back up here to your roots and opening up a business let me think. When we moved into our house, now we're going to go all the way back to 2019. Okay. I was like seven months pregnant. We moved into our house in Maryland, and I almost felt immediately that I was like, I'm going to be home in three to five years. Because I just, I just didn't have a community there. Like As much as I had friends, I didn't have a community. And I don't know. I just never came to know all of our neighbors in that way. I never saw people outside of their houses. But that was, you know, during the pandemic and everything, and we were mostly spending time with my parents, and that was kind of it. They were, like, our group. They helped us a lot um, with my daughter because there was no daycare. Right. And we were still working because we were in restaurants. We weren't just working from home. Right. So it was a disaster. And um, so anyway, we, you know, started to gravitate more and more back here. We'd already been coming back every once in a while to visit. And um, I think by the time it was January 2021, we started to come back here like every weekend, you know, and Jamil became frustrated with his job and things started to just like not go well there. It's kind of a hard thing because it was a chef he'd worked with for like 10 years and their relationship just started to fall apart. So when he left there, I just said to him, like, don't go look for another pastry chef job. You don't want to just move sideways and keep doing the same thing. Right. You know, it's time to like move up and move on. So 
we focused on building a business plan and he took care of Sophia for probably a good year and a half before we opened. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he was like the main caretaker for her. And um, and we were working our butts off to make our business plan and make it all become real. In January, I remember it was Sophia's birthday um, in January 2021, we just started to, you know, hit the ground and I don't know what they say, walk the streets and see what was available just in Bucks County. Okay. Um, and we actually saw one South Main. But at the time, it was an empty building. And we took a picture in front of it because we were like, maybe this is the place. And this will be the picture we take. But it ended up like they don't have zoning for food service and stuff. And then there were some other places that we looked at. And we just were truly like, this is just one of those like good old-fashioned stories. It was just like we talked to people. We talked to like someone who owns a local business. And um, well, actually, it was just... Glenn over at Chip and Print. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Thanks, go, that's like a silly thing to say because it's like his landlord is our landlord. So he talked to our landlord and was like, are there any spaces open? And then here we are basically. Yeah. It's great. And it is such a, it's such a great location, even though it's not on main street, it's still in such a busy area and it's obviously right off yeah. main street. Just the walking traffic that yeah. is around this whole area with the towpath and bikes and it's just... Yeah, I mean, it worked out great. And I think we worked with, I guess what I kind of call like a, a business consultant for a free volunteer organization called SCORE. Okay. And it was something my mom recommended. I was like, oh, mom, I don't even want to do that. And then and then it turned out like this was like a really serious part to putting it all together. And so through like some of his advice and stuff, we really vetted this location. This wasn't like this was available. So we came, actually it wasn't available at the time. But we looked at it and we we're like, okay, we have the park right here. We have the playground right there. There's day-to-day errands with the ship and print and the liquor store. And people are always going in now the pizza place. And then there's people coming together. Nail salons. So there's a lot of like demographic and diversity and reason for people to be here besides the residences right behind us. So it's just like there's so many reasons with the parking that we knew that this was a good spot. We didn't just like accidentally land here. Right, and it, and it is, like I said, I mean, I just love this whole area. And it's like, you get pizza, you come get, you know, some dessert afterwards yeah. right next door. How did you guys decide on the name? In Italy, they will ask um, oftentimes when you're getting gelato if you would like it con panna. So with whipped cream, really. Panna means cream. And so yeah, that I think that we were initially, you know, we we tossed around a couple ideas, but it was always panna. It was like con panna or panna artigianale, but panna itself, when you look at it, besides the word and the meaning, it's just a couple of letters. There's only three letters in it, even though it's it's five letters, but it's, you know, P and A. Yeah. And N. So it's easy to right. remember, I guess has those double letters in it Mm -hmm. and it just it ends up working out and it's like pretty easy to pronounce I mean even if someone gets it wrong you get it close enough I always said panna (laughs) me and my hardies you know it's not just you it's like it's like everyone yeah which is fine which yeah um and then you know the decor is so you do feel like you're in sort of you have the Italian the the vibe. The vibe, yeah. um, which is great. I love the blues and all the, as I'm looking at all the pretty, um, although I will say my daughter's favorite thing <laughs> when she comes in okay. is the dinosaurs that you guys yeah. have. Um, and I do think that's such a nice touch. Obviously, you guys having a child know that kids 
are always busy and you guys have the little as soon as we walk yeah. in she always is like toys. dinosaurs or you know yeah. the little um coffee wooden toys she just loves those and i see other kids playing with them as well well so. the dinos just happened kind of by accident i mean actually i can see the dino right now that big green and purple one I just had it in my purse, and it was so annoying. It was, it's, like, kind of big. <laughs> right. And I was here one day, and I was like, how do I get this out of here? What do I do with it? And I just placed it on the bookshelf and just was, like, in my mind, like, this is a bit artful. This is cool. <laughs> and then people would bring – their kids would, you know, reach for it, and the parent would give it to them. And then I went over to a friend's house a couple weeks in, and she was like, here, take all these dinos. Like, get this out of my house. Can you use this at Pana? And then I had some friends who sent me these, like, little other wooden sets with the cupcakes and stuff. Yeah. And I figured, you know, it can't hurt to just... I keep little coloring books and crayons. It's partly just in case Sophia walks in <laughs> that I can, like, keep her busy. But I find it gives a mom or a parent a second to eat their gelato, to pay, to just, like, have a minute to look and think. Yeah. Because definitely for when we come in, she goes right to them. And then I can kind of look. It's exactly that. I can look, see, okay, what do we want? And I have a second. Yeah. It's like, you know, I got one in the stroller, one with the dinos. Um, but yeah, it's so nice. I never realized how not child friendly most places are until mm -hmm. I had children. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. All right. What can we do to distract you? It's so you? stressful sometimes going out with them. I know. I'm like, let's just get takeout. And we honestly, I take them out a lot. Like we go out to restaurants a lot, Bless me and the you. kids. And I don't know if I'm just insane or what, but I'm like, the more I take them out, the better they're going to be, right? It's like every time there's some How sort of... How does it go? Honestly, until probably the last like five or six months with Willow, it was great. Yeah. Like they were great. Parker still is great. I feel like that's how it was for me too. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because when we go out, because Willow is getting a little bit bigger, like she can technically sit in a regular chair, but she knows when she's in the height chair that it's kind of where she's supposed to be, which I didn't realize until actually we were at um, the Newtown Brewery the other night and I had her in a regular seat eating fries and she pointed at the height chairs. She's like, I want a height chair. And I'm like, oh, okay, this will keep you even more contained. So when we go out, I have to just make sure she's in a height chair and she'll last for a while. We bring some coloring stuff, but yeah. never like iPads or anything. She does no. pretty well with it. I mean, I don't judge, but like, yeah, I just, yeah. I just want Sophia to, oh, learn yeah. to just sit. Yeah. And that's the same thing with me. Like, I don't, I understand why parents have them for yes. sure. It's just one weird thing for me that I am like not budging on with mealtime, yeah. having TV or because I feel like if so could, she would just like have a TV like in front of her face yeah. all the time. So it makes me like not want to give it to her that yeah. much. Yeah, <laughs> and. I mean, we have drawing stuff because, like, you can't expect them to just sit there the whole time. Yeah, they, you yeah, know, yeah. Can't, but you um, got to keep an emergency set of crowns in your yes. purse. So it some leverage, maybe a I treat. Would say, yeah, yes, lots of food, <laughs> and I would honestly say like ninety percent of the time it's fine, and then the last ten percent it's like we gotta go, yeah, we gotta go, we gotta go. That's where you gotta now. get the bill. Yeah, like, when you get the food, just be like, bring the check right. now. I agree. And like, I feel like that's one of the things that works about Pana in general as a concept because it's like, for families with kids, it's like you've already paid. It's not gonna take that long. Right. It's it's just on your own time. Yep. And when like that 
invisible timer runs out, which like I feel like kids are ticking time bombs and they it's just are. like we don't know when it's gonna go off. We just know that like that's how you're gonna end up leaving probably is yes. like we gotta go right now. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes. It's like okay and we're done. Let's go out, out, out. Uh-huh. But yeah, but Parker still he just I'm like Give him some fries, and he'll just sit there and eat fries and goldfish for sure, an hour. Like, sure. honestly, like an hour. There was a time a- that Soph was, like, lovely at restaurants, and I feel like generally she is. It's just, like, I want to relax when I eat. Right. And for me, I feel like I always um, – I like, I, maybe I just take the responsibility on myself, but I feel like I end up being the one who was running around. I think it was around uh, 20 – the end of 2021 – when um, it was like Christmas Eve and we were at Oishi in Newtown. Oh, yeah. And that was like, that's always our tradition is Oishi on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. And Sophie was just running around the restaurant. She was happy as a clam. And I was just like the idiot in my like cute Christmas outfit <laughs> running around. And I was like, this is, is not, not fun. fun anymore. Yeah. And that's like right there at two years old. It was like right. two years old that that shifted. And so now for me, I'm like, I would rather just like, be with my husband or my husband and my parents where it's like we have many people to tag team yeah and she's at home she's comfortable like get that takeout so this year we got takeout oh there you go and that was probably so much more relaxed never eat out with her but there's certain places that are better than others yeah so what do you think some of your most popular gelato flavors have been Hmm. okay so there's kind of three different categories that i can think of there's like our most requested ones and those are often classics like stracciatella which is um we can do any base flavor you can just do the um fior de latte which is italian sweet cream and it has chipped pieces of chocolate in it we've done raspberry stracciatella mint stracciatella which is basically mint chip coffee that's a favorite and then like the fan favorites of like the fun stuff we come up with there's cookie dough or milk and cookies and then we do seasonal flavors and we had pumpkin spice and pink peppermint at Christmas time. Oh, that was good. I had that. <laughs> yeah, that's my mom's favorite. Okay. Like that was just my husband was like this this seasonal flavor is no question. We're just going to do it for Holly mm. pink peppermint. Okay. And she came in here and she was like so psyched. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> yeah. And then my favorites, I feel like when I look at my list, I'm like I kind of like maybe more oddball stuff, but Jamil brought out this mint fig sometime last year. I remember somebody just asked for it, and I was like, what? Mint fig? It was so good. Mm. Um, the fig made it, like, really creamy, even though it was, like, a the, one of the sorbettos. And then we had a honey and apricot. That was amazing. I love the smoked almond I was telling you about earlier. Also amazing. Addictive. The saltiness. The smokiness. And then I really like the strawberry goat milk that we did, which we did after we went to a goat farm. And they have a little fridge where they keep beverages of goat's milk. And she does chocolate goat milk. I saw the other day a caramel goat milk, which Mm. I didn't get. I got the strawberry goat milk for old time's sake. But we were inspired by that. So we got some goat milk from her and and made it into strawberry goat milk gelato. It was really popular, actually. That's good. That sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. How about your – do you have any favorite baked goods? That you hmm. specifically like? For eating or for making? Questions. Either or. All right. We'll say for eating because they're like my children. Well, I only have one child, <laughs> a human child, but I think of my pastries as children where it's like I can't pick a favorite, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but favorites to eat, I love a chocolate chip cookie. I love my chocolate chip cookie. I love Jamil's, which we call the Mr. and the Mrs. He puts uh, pecans and a little coffee and sea salt in it. 
It's really good. It's a little extra rich. I think I usually um, get the misses when yeah, I come. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a classic. And then we use my mom's recipe for our almond pound cake, which is a staple around here. And I always like our seasonal galettes, which we, they're like little hand pies, and I call them like picnic food. They don't have to be cold or hot. You can just have them anytime. They can be a filling snack or like a light meal. And um, we've changed around the flavors and fillings a lot, again, based on season and just like what's available or what looks good in the store. And um, the next filling for the savory that comes up is maybe going to be the best one, in my opinion. And it's like potato and green pepper and onion mm. and basil and pesto and pecorino. And it, it all sounds like too many things, like, and it would be weird, but it's so, it's amazing. Ooh, I will definitely have to come in for that. I came mm. in a couple weeks in a row for the bacon scallion croissants or the... Um, Oh, the the scones. The scones. Yeah, the bo- yeah, yeah. yeah, the bacon scallion scones. And I would, they're so big, and I would get one, and then I would That's have like it. That's lunch right there. Well, I would have it, I would, ha- I would come in on Sunday to get it, and then have half of it Monday for breakfast, and the other half Tuesday oh, for yeah, breakfast. Yeah. They're so good. I want to see somebody, like, take one of those and, like, cut it in half, put an egg on it, and make Ooh. it into, like, a little breakfast sandwich. I'll do that the next time I get one. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I remember, hopefully I will. <laughs> but it probably is so good. Oh my gosh, they're so delicious. Um, so have you guys thought about ever expanding your business? I know that it's oh, man, that's always a so question. new, but <clears throat> yeah, it's been suggested. Um, it's been put out there by us and by other people. I think what I need is first for this to become like really easy. Remember how before I was saying, like, with the Hamilton, I went into that. It was, like, a really big challenge. By the time I left, I didn't feel challenged. I feel like I need to do those kinds of expansions when it becomes boring and I need a new challenge. Right now, our next, like, kind of step in expanding is that we got our gelato cart. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. It was, like, custom designed and uh, made in Italy. And it just arrived by ship. Uh, last week we still actually haven't even like taken off all the wrapping because I'm like kind of afraid to I don't want to scratch it Um, but we're really excited about that and we've gotten so many people requesting it either um, for like events with businesses or um, for like private events I think our first booking is for like a fundraising a cancer fundraising event in June but yeah, we're really excited about that. And honestly, I could kind of see just doing a bunch of those carts. If the demand is there, doing more carts. That's no rent. Right. You know, that's the thing about the carts. I think someday we will have to move out of this space into something bigger because it's already too small for what we need really for our kitchen. Like mm-hmm. the front space is cool, but the kitchen, we don't have enough storage, enough freezing space. That's the main thing, freezer space. Um, but, you know. As it comes, when when the time comes, we'll do it. I love the idea of the just a bunch of the carts because I think that's going to be so popular. When I saw you post about them, uh, post about having that, um, I was like, this is going to fly off. There's uh, every, so many yeah. things to take it to. I right. mean, you can do it at events at people's homes, but you can also take it to farmers markets or festivals or baseball fields or like right. literally anywhere. So to kind of wrap up the business aspect, what advice would you give someone who wants to start a business maybe specifically something similar to yours don't do it you idiot (laughs) (laughs) just continue living your like content life nine to five just don't do it no i'm kidding 
I mean, it's not for the faint of heart, for sure. Um, I guess then it would be to say, kind of how I was talking about the cooking, make sure you're opening a business, doing something you really, really love, that you think is worth it, that it's worth all of the effort. And um, I don't know, the things, it's hard for me to give advice. I can only speak to what's worked for me. What's worked for me, I think, so far is just like being true to ourselves, not taking too much of the outside advice and commentary and just kind of like focusing on what feels good and right to us. Even thinking about the decor of the place, which you mentioned, it's like I remember thinking, I don't know how to design it. I need to get like a designer to do some sort of interior design with it and make it look like a thing. And we need to, I can't, I kind of cringe thinking about it that there was a time where like we need like a selfie wall that's like a thing. And like, <laughs> it's a thing. That's like, but that's like not my thing. Right. And I think in the end, it just ended up being a space that I like to be in, that I hope other people like to be in and feel comfortable and calm and is pretty and hospitable. And um, so that's just a reflection of me just like doing me. So, I mean. And it, that is definitely every time you come in, the smell is very similar every time, which is like cozy and yeah. comfortable. And then the blues are calming. It is. It's such a nice space to be in and just I love the way you have the bar seating set up and the color of the wood and just being able to look out that big window kind of people watching is really nice there's Um, really so much detail and I mean decorating mm -hmm. any space but it's really very thoughtful I mean um I know anyone listening can't see this but we have these um blue um antique bottles Um, kind of around on the bookshelves and in the window and those are from our wedding and I had collected those at like flea markets for flowers for the tables at our wedding and um, some of this stuff is just from our home or yeah like some of it's just like straight up extra decor from our home (laughs) Um, or these are pictures on the wall from our trips to Italy there's a picture over by the door that's from my mother-in-law because she knows that we love Italy and it's a painting or a print of a painting Um, of Naples so um, the things that we have in here every single detail was thoughtfully picked out some of it's from Amazon I'm not lying but it's all right it it, uh, uh, it's all so beautiful I'm like looking around now as I'm like looking at all I just really am I know I I said the blue before but the blue is definitely my like color of calm same yeah Um, well yes thank you so much for telling us all about that before we finish up. I just want to ask a couple questions about you being not only a business owner, but being a mother to a three-year-old daughter. Um, how do you balance those responsibilities of being a business owner? And no, <laughs> again, no. <Okay>. Also, no. <laughs> I guess as the pastry chef, I am supposed to sugarcoat things, huh? No, no, I don't balance things. I'm just like always dropping some ball and um, just accepting that I'm not going to be able to be perfect everywhere. I think that there's like, I don't know, there's only so many things that you can be kind of like managing half decently. And there's, you know, you could break it down to whatever categories like yourself, your household, your marriage, your motherhood, your work or business. And it's like, you know, I don't know. It's just, I'm 
I'm not balancing. I'm just doing my best. That's all that you can <laughs> I'm surviving, do. surviving, <laughs> man. <laughs> I, I remember thinking about that one time, how, you know, everyone's always like, you have to give 100% in whatever you do. And it's like, yeah, but if you have 15 different things, how do you no. give 100% into each one of those? You don't. Um, you just can't. You have to kind of just figure it out and figure out what works yeah. best for you, which is... You, no one, you yeah, know, and you, you hope that at either end, I suppose, that there's, like, some support in some of those categories. Right. Like, if you're lucky, as we are, to have my parents who help a lot with raising Sophia and, and taking care of her. And, um, and like, then our business, we have people that we like and we trust and um, help us to run the place smoothly. And so, I guess wherever you can, you grab that support and... Um, don't expect any perfection. That's me. I, I hate saying you. It's me. I can't expect these things uh, to be too perfect. But kind of drop one ball, and then you have another one in the air, and then you drop that one, and you pick the other one up. But, like, yeah, somewhere I'm probably dropping a ball. It's all right. That's, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that <laughs> it's not just me, and I don't run a business. No. So, uh, you know, it's hard just in motherhood in general to not think you're messing everything up all the time or a lot of the yeah, time. I'm just messing like... like a lot of things up a little bit yes, all the time. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> that's what everybody needs. Um, so how is she, how have you worked her into your business? Does she come up here a lot? Does she help mm-hmm. make some stuff? Yeah, Sophia will come here. We'll say now a few times a week. There was a time that she was coming every day. I'd okay. say almost every day for the first six months that we were open, she would come by. Um, but we've kind of kiboshed that a little bit because um, she comes in wanting gelato and cookies. And uh, there was a time when we had like um, Pellegrino beverages, so like lemonade basically. And it was just like too much sugar. And it was it's just like hard to be like, we own a gelateria. But no, you cannot have too yeah. many sweets. <laughs> um, we did. There were times where we'd like try to, we knew she was coming and we would try to have like a little family dinner back in the kitchen. Which that was fun. It was like really cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even if that was just getting pizza or maybe we were making fresh pasta, there were all different iterations of that attempt. Um, but now she doesn't necessarily come up every day. Or sometimes she'll come up and we do um, give her little kitchen projects, you Aww, know, help give her a little that. rolling pin to like help us out. But um, now, do you bring any of your stuff home with you? Yeah, we'll bring home, um, especially on Sunday nights, we'll bring home some leftover pastries. Um, and we do have like a couple pints of gelato at home right now. And it's like, it's okay, but it's kind of like with our daughter, who I was just saying loves the, the sugar. It's like a little problematic to have too much around all the time, but I don't know. How being a woman business owner, do you think, do you hope that will affect her outlook on her life growing up? Yeah. I mean, that would be the best case scenario is if she like sees me working here and, you know, managing and running it and um, baking and just kind of, as we said, poorly juggling all these things, but still trying hopefully she sees all of that and um is inspired and knows that she can do anything she's she started doing this thing where she likes to jump off of stairs and as she does it she'll yell out into the abyss i am sophia i can do anything oh i love and that. i love it so much and i hope that she sees that and um just works hard and knows she can do whatever she wants yeah. I, hope, I hope it inspires her yeah i hope uh, i mean their self-confidence when they're that young is so wonderful to watch develop um 
we do morning affirmations with Willow and it, she's since she was born we did it kind of slacked on Parker sorry buddy but like you know we, we, we sometimes <laughs> do but but he doesn't have a mirror in his room and she does and you know when you're doing it at that little when they're that little you're like they have no idea what's happening but now it's all of a sudden into them. it's like going yeah, into their blood all of a sudden she started repeating some of them as time went on she'll, she'll yeah. go I am strong or I am kind yeah and, it's like she still probably doesn't recognize what they mean, but it's the hopes that that confidence stays yeah. with her. I feel like we're building a new generation of women. And even when I talk about going to the gym um, for either myself or my husband, I'll be like, what do, what do we go to the gym for? And she's like, to get strong. And she makes a little muscle. You know, we don't like talk about it in any other way. Yeah, that's so important. Because when we grew up, that's how it was the 90s models of it's just the all about the skinny. aesthetic yeah, yeah. <laughs> um now it's so different which is amazing i love that we're going to be raising daughters in a world that's so much more accepting of not what their body looks like but how strong they are yeah. and what they're doing to help them be um better do better for themselves which is great yeah so the last couple questions that i like to ask parents what were you least prepared for in parenthood I think the thing I was least prepared for was just, like, the actual reality of that full-time demand. You know what I mean? Like, just, I was just telling um, you when we were first setting up here that it was only just recently that Sophia um, stopped asking me to hold her all the time. Like, literally couldn't make dinner because it was like, Sophia, I can't you know, I can't move my arms and my hands <laughs> if I'm holding you. And she was just like, no, hold <laughs> me. I don't care. Um, so like, that's like, I feel like that is kind of mind blowing to just be like, how can one person be on me all the time and need me so much all of the time? And just kind of, that's yeah. a big thing to acclimate to. You know, they talk about, I don't, I don't think I ever can say that I felt this, but I understand that concept of touched out where they mm -hmm. say like, you know, especially probably with multiple kids, just being like overly touched, just the overstimulation of it all. I think that's for sure. That's what I wasn't prepared for <laughs> is the overstimulation of all where you're like, when there's that quiet and you're like, oh my God, okay, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I feel it's after I put them both to bed, I feel like now with Parker cause I, or Willow, whichever one I put to bed last if my husband's not home and it's like that cuddle time at the end, those last couple minutes, it's like this wave of relief. It's over. Yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> I, I'll be free in five more minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can just slip out. Yeah. As I want to sleep. Um, what, if you have one, do you think your parenting style is? Casual? <laughs> yeah, no. That's... And that's like backfired, but I think it also has as like built that confident person that I kind of, maybe in the right, maybe in some of the wrong places, give her a lot of choices um, and ask her like what she wants of things. I still do have expectations and I try to... Um, I think the words are like be firm and kind mm -hmm. and try to like talk to her like she is an intelligent person that could understand the reasoning or rationale. That's not always true, <laughs> but I give her the shot and I try to treat her like I, I think I always have even when she was a baby try to treat her with respect as an actual person, not as this like ball of clay that I'm going to mold. And I will say one quote that um I, I think, I don't even know if it's a quote. I think it might have been something I just made up from a different quote. But it was like, I feel like my job as a parent 
is to help Sophia like realize who she is and then become that and not to like have an expectation of who she's going to be and then mold her into that. If that makes I, sense. Yeah, that's totally understandable because I, I feel as though, you know, you hear kind of growing up, you're trying to live vicariously through your child, which I never really understood until you have kids. And then it's like, the term for that comes from parents who are trying to make their kids be something that maybe they weren't or whatever, but um, allowing them to grow into their own selves is something that I think is really cool to watch develop. And you don't want to hinder that little spirit that they have, which is super important. I mean, I think to some degree that's going to happen anyway, that they're going to become their true selves. Mm -hmm. And it's just like kind of how... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just making everything up, by the way. So don't, like, I don't know anything. But, like, I feel like it's how beautiful it'll end up coming out. Like, I have a transgender sibling. And, like, you know, she didn't come out until she was, like, I don't know, 33 or something. And it's, like, you know, we just didn't live in that time. Right. And so it's just, like, one of those types of things. It's, like, how much could she have experienced differently if um, that had been a thing when we were growing up that was more widely accepted? And not um, suppressed, yeah. Which isn't to say, like, you know, it's. I just think that that's, um, yeah, I think that's probably a good approach. And, like, with a lot of empathy, that's another word. I try to um, look at, in that vein, look at Sophia with a lot of empathy. And when she's having those meltdowns, don't worry, I, like, totally do lose it and lose my mind but I just try to pause and take a moment to look at her with so much empathy and be like this is why she's experiencing this because she doesn't know anything else and like she's terrified of this or she you know try to understand really where she's coming from as a person not just like a child misbehaving or a terrible threes or like a toddler having a meltdown but to try to be like she's scared because this and look at the logic behind their feelings yeah they they can't um regulate their their feelings the way that we can and that's something that's hard to when from someone who can regulate their feelings to look at someone who can't and you're like why are you freaking out about this simple thing but it's like they don't really know any other way to deal with it yet yeah Yeah. they're still um trying to figure it all out which is um it's tough man it it really is so to wrap everything up what's one piece of advice you would give other parents hard I think just watch your child see who they are inclined to be and then help them help them move towards their true self I think like that would that probably rules out a lot of um, discord between parents again I have lots of problems as a parent and I I really am not qualified to give any advice and I think most people kind of aren't agreed but yeah. like if I could make something up that might be qualified that would be it. just be patient and understand that they are people so you can help them out like I tell Sophie all the time you know if she's having a problem or she's having a meltdown then I'm just like so I'm here to help you man like if you need help brushing your teeth then I'm here to help you, you know? Or if she's getting upset, I can't put my shoe on. And I'll be like, so grownups are here to help. Right. Can I help you put your shoe on? Why don't we say that in a calm way? And then she'll be like, mama, will you help me put my shoe on? I'm like, that's it, kid. Yeah. I, I've been really recently stopping her a lot from the whining to be like, can we say this in a calmer way? And she will stop and she will say it in the right way. And at least I get the satisfaction of the moment. Yeah. And that, <laughs> we've been doing a lot of breath work. So it's like, smelling the flowers 
blow out the candles. Yeah. And so I'll she'll be having Willow gets you can see her getting all over yeah, yeah, yeah. over simulated herself when she can't put she can't take her boots off or something and she, yeah but, you know it's hard. and, it's and hard. I'm like okay let's smell on the flowers breathe out the, or blow out the candles and then she like does it and you can see it start to write her you know body start to regulate and then I'll say okay now what do you need help with and then I can help you with it and you know, that yeah. always seems to help, too. I mean, I've tried that with Sophia. Like, and maybe this is why I know the circle of give <laughs> no, advice. No. We can just say the things that work for us. Yeah. But it's just like, I've, I'll tell Sophia when she's a bit, Soph, just take a deep breath. And she'll be like, I don't want to breathe. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I hear you, girl. It's like telling someone to smile when you're passing them yeah. on the street. Like, yeah, Willow will probably get to that point one day where she's like, F off. I don't want to breathe, yeah, you know? I've tried. There's a great Daniel Tiger episode on that. And we were just watching it the other night. I was like, so, see, this is like what I've been trying to tell you. And she's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, well, I think that's all great advice. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Um, have you ever done a podcast before? I haven't. But I feel like I've had like a lot of good practice because I t- am a terrible binging addict to podcasts i podcasts i love them so much and um so you know it's funny because a lot of people that i'm basically an expert you, <laughs> listen i it's i i started listening to podcasts when i was training for long run when i was doing long runs because yeah. i was like you just can't listen to music all the time let me find like a running it's like podcast chatting with another yeah. person. and it would always like put me in a zone and but there's so many people even still, when people are like, you, you have a what? I never listen to a podcast. I don't even know how to, like, open what? up my podcast. I'm oh like, my God. how? What, you know? No. Um, and, my, you know, my parents also obviously never oh listen to God. podcasts. Oh, no. But they listen to this one. So they'll, okay. you know, the, but, and they're, like, so excited to tell me, oh, I listened to your podcast. Maybe I could find other podcasts <laughs> oh that I like. And my it's so mom cute. literally said that to me today, like, literally this afternoon where she was like you'll have to show me how they get the podcast yeah. on my phone sometime and I'm like I can tell just by the way you asked that that it'll never it's not happen and I've tried to my dad is like a real intellectual and there's so many podcasts that I'm like oh my god my dad would love this and I've tried to explain that to him and he's just kind of like I don't know this sounds like a whole yeah. new thing to learn I'm like it's like radio fine. but at your fingertips yeah that's what I say it's like yeah. radio you can find things that interest you right at your fingertips it's too hard. Okay. <laughs> it's too hard. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Sweet Life with Sally. We hope you enjoyed learning more about her and her family's journey um, and the inspiration behind Pana in right in the heart of Yardley. So if you're ever in the area, make sure you stop by, taste some of the delicious gelato and pastries, and make sure to follow them on Instagram at Pana Yardley. And as always, you can find me at the running wine mom underscore for all things fitness motherhood with a side of wine. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and review the podcast. I hope everyone has a great week and I will be back next Tuesday.